I invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Before we get there, when I was a boy, my grandmother used to subscribe to this newspaper called Star Newspaper. And it's really Star Magazine, and what it really was was one of those tabloids like you read when you're standing in line at Kroger at the, at the checkout counter. And some of the headlines I remember from that Star newspaper, I remember one that says, Three Armed Man Helps to Build a House. And then when they interviewed people, his hammering skills were amazing. He would hold the hammer with one hand and the nail with another hand, and he'd have the next board ready with his third hand. And another headline said that President Gerald Ford is actually from Venus. And when they interviewed him, he said that there are more of us here than you might think. And my favorite was a woman gives birth to puppies. And when they interviewed her, she said, I guess we'll have to build a bigger nursery. But I've got one more headline for you, and it's this one. An Israeli man was executed on Friday. He comes out of the grave, and he eats a breakfast picnic with his friends. At first glance, that headline sounds about like, and it's just about as crazy as the human puppy mama, isn't it? to think about it in those terms. Yet as Christ followers, that's exactly what we believe. But let me ask you a far-fetched question. What if there was no resurrection? What if there was no Easter? What if the tomb really wasn't empty? What if Jesus Christ was still in that tomb? And that's what Paul discusses here in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, when Paul wrote this book, we've talked before that Corinth was Paul's problem child as far as his churches are concerned. They had lots of trouble, lots of problems. Paul wrote first and second Corinthians to them, and when we study those two books, he probably also wrote two other letters that aren't in our canon in our Bible today, but you could infer that from uh, the first and second Corinthians. And when Paul wrote this, apparently Paul heard wind that there were people at Corinth that believed Jesus didn't raise from the dead. They said his, his soul has raised from the dead, but his body is still in the tomb. So Paul addresses that in 1 Corinthians 15, and he says that if the resurrection hasn't occurred, then there's some serious consequences. And there are at least six serious consequences that uh, would be true if the resurrection's not uh, valid or if Jesus is still in the tomb, if, if that's just another headline in Star News. The first of those consequences is found in verse 14. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. The first serious consequence of a non-resurrected Savior is the fact that our preaching would be pointless. Our preaching would be an exercise in futility if Jesus Christ is still in the grave. Every preacher that doesn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus needs to go find a different job, needs to go find an honest job, because the resurrection of Jesus 
is the core of my faith. It's the core of the church faith. And it's the core of everything we have believed and preached as a church for over 2,000 years. If Jesus hasn't raised from the dead, our preaching is pointless. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 and 4 tell us, when Paul gives us what is the gospel, in verse 3 he says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Without the resurrection, there is no gospel to preach. A sermon that doesn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a pointless, worthless exercise in jibber-jabber. I might as well up here, be up here preaching to you in Spanish, and you can't understand a word of Spanish if the resurrection isn't true. But the second consequence is also found in verse 14 when he says, And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Your faith, our faith, would be futile. Why put faith in a dead Messiah? Faith is no better than its object. What gives our faith a foundation? What gives our faith footing is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A dead man can't save anybody, can he? How do we know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God even? Romans 1.4 says the reason why we know that, he's declared the Son of God by resurrection power. It's through the resurrection that we even recognize Jesus is God's Son. Leaders of other faiths in our world, Confucius, he's dead. Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. All of these folks died and they're still dead. They're still buried. Jesus Christ is alive. But if he's not alive, then our preaching is pointless and our faith is futile. We don't put faith in a dead Messiah. But if he is dead, if he's still in that grave, if that tomb over just outside of Jerusalem still has the body of Jesus of Nazareth in it, that our faith has no foundation and our faith is foolish, isn't it? The third consequence, verses 15 and 16. Yes, and we, that's the apostles, are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. You know, it's one thing to be mistaken, but it's another thing altogether to be a deceiver or to be a double-crosser. But if Jesus Christ is still in the tomb, the disciples are double-crossers because they their whole message was based on a resurrected Savior. What Paul says is if Jesus Christ is still in the grave, then we're telling a lie. If Jesus Christ is still in the grave, we are fakers. If Jesus Christ is still in the grave, we're trying to hustle you. I wrote in Planks Ponderings today about being hustled. And that's what Paul says we are doing to you and us as well if Jesus is not raised from the dead. In my experience, people lie to gain something. I work as a chaplain in a prison, for those of you who don't know, and these guys tell a lot of lies to try to get out of trouble or to try to 
to gain something. And uh, in my experience, people lie to gain something. The disciples died as martyrs. Now, I'm not real smart. As a matter of fact, the older I get, the less smart I realize that I am. I don't see how anybody put up with the 25-year-old me as much as I thought that I knew. But one thing that I've learned in my experience is this. In my experience, people tell lies to get out of trouble, not to get into trouble. Amen? Listen to what these disciples would have gone through if they were lying. They were tortured, they were persecuted, they were humiliated, they were buried at the stake, they were eaten by lions, they were stoned, some were crucified, some were run through with a spear, one was pushed off the highest point of the temple, some were crushed to death. These disciples died testifying that Jesus was alive. They said, we saw him. We touched him. We felt him. We ate with him. We did have a breakfast picnic on the shore of the Sea of Galilee with him. Would you say that Simon Peter was a con man? That John the Apostle was a crook? That the Apostle Paul was a perjurer and a false witness? And the fact that these men would die for a lie. A man might live for a lie, but few, if any, men I know would die for a lie. I read this quote this week, and it stuck with me. It says, hypocrites and martyrs are not made of the same stuff. If these apostles were lying, if these apostles were deceiving, if these apostles were double-crossing, when it came to the point when the rubber met the road and they were faced with crucifixion or they were faced with being beheaded or they were there in the arena and that door was fixing to be opened and those hungry lions are on the other side, they would have said, you know what, I, I've rethought this and maybe we just had mass hallucinations. Uh, maybe maybe there's some, maybe somebody stole this. Y'all, these apostles died believing what they believed. And they went to their grave believing that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. If Jesus is still in the grave, the disciples would be deceivers. And they would be double-crossers. But not only that, look at verse 17. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. We've talked about that already. But also... You are still in your sins. If Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead, sin is one. Because all of us have sinned. There's not a one of us who have not sinned. We are sinners by birth, by nature, by practice, and by choice. And we have no hope of forgiveness apart from the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because God can't overlook sin. God doesn't let sin go unpunished. If God were to cease to judge sin, God would cease to be holy. Do we realize that? We've talked about that in our Romans class. Your sin will be either 
pardoned in Christ or will be punished in hell. But it's never going to be overlooked. There are two destinations. There's, there's heaven, there's hell. There's forgiveness by the blood of Jesus Christ or there's going to be eternal torment in hell. There's no in between. God's not going to overlook sin. God's not going to say, well, you're a pretty good guy, so you can come on in. You're a pretty good lady, you can come on in. The fact is, Scripture tells us no one's good. For all is sin and come short of the glory of God. The Greek word for that all means all. Everybody. Every one of us. If Christ is still in the grave, if that headline, Israeli man walks out of the grave, is false, then you and I are still in our sins. And as my dad used to say, we're in a heap of trouble. Amen? If Christ is still in the tomb. If Christ is still in the grave, it means that God did not accept his sacrifice at Calvary. How do we know that Jesus Christ was not just a religious fanatic? How do we know that God accepted the sacrifice at Calvary by the resurrection? Romans 4.25 tells us that with no resurrection, there's no Savior. With no resurrection, there's no Son of God. There's no forgiveness. Jesus' death without the resurrection can't save anybody. Jesus died as that scapegoat. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. He died a sacrificial death. He lived a perfect life. He is the only human to ever live that's lived a perfect life. He died. Took my sin, your sin, the sins of the whole world all the way back to Adam and all the way forward to every sin that will ever be committed during what we know is time, from the beginning of time to the end of time. Time is just a human thing, time and space. God dwells in eternity, right? But time, Jesus Christ died for all sins that were committed there. If Christ is still in the grave, we have no hope of heaven because we are yet in our sins and the wages of sin is death in Romans 6.23. Not only that, verse 18 tells us, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If Jesus Christ is still in that grave, life is nothing but a cruel joke. If Jesus Christ is still in the grave, those that go on before us, our family members that are Christians, our friends that have died as Christians and have gone on, then we're never going to be reunited with them. All we can look forward to, now think about this. If the resurrection isn't true, all we have to look forward to is dying being cremated or covered with dirt and letting greedy worms and microbes eat us up until we're nothing left but dirt. That's all we have to look forward to. Something as wonderful as a human life and as glorious as the bond that humans have with one another, it has no lasting meaning if there's no resurrection. If there's no resurrection, all we can look forward to is dying and going back to the ground. And that's it. Because he is alive, 1 Corinthians 4.14 tells us, 
that those who have died in Christ are going to be raised with Christ. Because he was resurrected, we're going to be resurrected. How great it is to know that there's a God who in the form of man, the Lord Jesus Christ, grappled with the iron bars of death and was victorious. That song we sang last week, Low in the Gravy Lane, that third verse has always intrigued me. It says, Death cannot keep his prey. Jesus, my Savior, he tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord. And ever since I was a little boy, that has fascinated me. I could see Jesus. Be, I just pictured him in my mind, taking those bars in the prison doors and just going like that and walking out. Jesus Christ broke the bonds of death. Up until Jesus Christ, death was the final sentence. Up until Jesus Christ, we died and, and that was it. But because of Jesus Christ, because he lives, I can live and you can live. But if the resurrection isn't true, then death still has dominion. Now look at verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiful. Isn't that sad? Paul says if Jesus isn't alive, then we, we're, we're the most pitiful folks here on earth. Our future is frightening if Jesus is not alive. A wise man once said, if Jesus Christ is still in the grave, nothing really matters. But if Jesus Christ came out of that grave, Nothing else really matters. And isn't that true? Albert Einstein at one time was on a train trip. And while he was in the car on the train trip, the conductor was coming by, and he was taking the tickets and punching the tickets, and he, he got to Albert Einstein, and Albert Einstein couldn't find his. He was known, well known for being absent-minded and kind of uh, forgetful. And so he's trying to find his ticket. He can't find it. The conductor said, Mr. Einstein, I know who you are. Don't worry about it. I know you bought a ticket. Everything's okay. And he went on taking tickets. And the conductor in a few minutes looked back, and Einstein was down on his hands and knees, looking up under seats and looking everywhere he could. And he told Mr. Einstein, he said, Mr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. I said, everything's okay. I know who you are. And Mr. Einstein said, I know who I am too. I just don't know where I'm going. Y'all, if Jesus Christ isn't raised from the dead, we don't know where we're going. I've heard it said about an atheist at a funeral in a casket that he was all dressed up and has no place to go. But you know what? If Jesus isn't raised from the dead, we're the same boat. If Jesus isn't raised from the dead without the resurrection, our future is frightening because we don't know where to go. If the resurrection isn't true, I firmly believe there's life beyond this life. But if the resurrection isn't true, I sure can't tell you what it is. And I don't know anybody that's died and came back that I can ask them what it is. So if the resurrection isn't true, then our future it's frightening. Without the resurrection, we are just poor, deluded fools. And the future's frightening.
Y'all remember Paul Harvey? He used to, he was a, some of y'all might be too young to remember Paul Harvey, but he was a fellow that was on the radio, and he'd tell stories, and he would tell this just poor, pitiful story about somebody, and then he would say something, but it was this, and he'd get to the end, he'd say, now you know the rest of the story. And look at the rest of the story in verse 20. Paul has talked about all these things. Preaching is pointless. Faith is futile. The disciples are deceivers. Sin has been, uh, sin reigns supreme. Death is dominant. Our future is frightening. Look what he said. If the resurrection is not true, verse 20, but. Thank God for that word, but. We talked about but in our first, uh, first Thessalonians Sunday school this morning. When you see the word but, something big's fixing to happen right after. Paul has said this whole paragraph. If the resurrection's not true, then all of these consequences are going to take place. He says, but, in verse 12, now Christ is risen from the dead. And he's become the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. He's just the first one. Notice he doesn't say it's the first and only fruits. He's the first of many that are going to rise to walk again and to live again. Instead of our preaching being pointless, our preaching is profitable. It's good to hear the word of God because the, the word of God is the means by which God uses to save people. To tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus died, was buried, and arose. Amen? Amen. Easter's true. It's not just a star magazine. I could do a whole sermon as to why I believe in the resurrection, and we might do that at some time. There's a book out there you need to read by Lee Stroll called The Case for the Resurrection. He, he investigates it just like a journal, or a, uh, as a journalist. He was a journalist for years. Uh, but the resurrection's true. And because of that, I preach. Because of the resurrection and my hope in the resurrection, I preach some bad sermons. And I preach, I think, pretty good sermons. But I preach, and I'll get up and continue to preach as long as there's breath in me and as long as my heart and my mind allow me to preach and communicate, I'm going to keep preaching about a, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus because that's where my hope is. Preaching is productive. Our faith, instead of being futile, our faith is firm. We're standing on something, y'all. We're standing on a resurrected Lord. That first century church that didn't have the Bible, they didn't have the internet, they didn't have uh, telephones, they didn't have electricity, they didn't have cars, they didn't have trains, they didn't have planes. They took the gospel and spread it in the first century. They didn't even have the Bible. But they took the gospel and spread it from Jerusalem to what we know as the British Isles in the first century, and that gospel was based on a resurrected Savior. We saw him. We touched him. We felt him. We ate with him. There's a resurrected Savior that is Messiah. He's God's anointed. He's come. He is God's sacrificial lamb. He's come to die for you and for me. Our faith is firm, y'all. Don't apologize for believing in a resurrection. That's faith. Because I tell you what, you've got to have a lot more faith to wonder what's going to happen afterwards. Amen. I don't have faith to be an atheist. 
Our faith is firm. The disciples are dependable. Their eyewitness can be trusted. The fact that they died as martyrs is what as martyrs is what makes their eyewitness testimony credible. Sin has been snuffed out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Death has been defeated. And the future is fabulous. Do you know where you're going? I'm not talking about after this. We're probably, Marie and I are probably going to go have Mexicans at, at, the, at one of the Mexicans. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when this life comes to a close. Do you know where you're going? Because one of these days we are all going to be faced with that same situation with which, or that the thief faced on the cross. He was dying. And the last thing that we know that he says is, Lord Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he died. One of these days, our dash is going to be finished. What do I mean by that? When you look on a gravestone, there's a birth date, there's a death date, and there's a dash in the middle. And that dash represents our life. And we've all had the beginning of our life. We're living the dash at some point, the end of our life is coming. And that's what I'm talking about. Do you know where you're going? As outrageous as the headline reads, the truth of the ages and the best news ever is the fact that Jesus Christ came out of that grave and he's ruling and reigning and living with God in heaven right now. And one day, we'll be with him. Jesus lives. The question is, do you? You might have existence this morning. You might have walked in this church building under your own power, sat down, sang, listened, and followed along. But if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you've never been born again, you are a dead man or a dead woman walking. Our uh, volunteer chaplain preached a message in chapel last week saying, I see dead people. And basically talking about the fact that we walk around every day seeing dead people that are physically alive but spiritually are dead. And if that's you, I've got great news for you this morning. You can find life again in Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus personally? More important question, does Jesus know you? If not, you can call upon Jesus today. You can admit you're a sinner. And you won't be making an admission that none of us haven't made. I'm a sinner. Lord, I can't save myself. I'm not good enough. God says, guess what? I've provided a way. That's in my son, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself, but I trust that Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection is enough to save me. I pray that you'll take my sin and give me Jesus' righteousness. And when that happens, you've been born again. It's, that, it's not hard. We want to make it hard. We want to say you've got to do all this stuff. All you've got to do is quit running from God and come run to God. You want to do that this morning?
And maybe you've done that, but along the way you've gotten lost. If you've, very, if you've traveled very far, you, we've all gotten lost, right? We've all gotten where, and sometimes you get lost and you don't know where, how you got lost. We were on a trip one time, and uh, we, I, I was driving, of course, and I got lost, and Ann was asleep. And she woke up. She, she looked around. She goes, this doesn't look familiar. She said, you're lost, aren't you? And I said, yes, yes, I am. And she said, well, where did you get lost? And I said, if I knew where I got lost, I'd go back to where I started. We'd start all over again. I was lost before. That's the way we get sometimes. Maybe we didn't mean to get lost, but we, just, we wander away, don't we? We, like sheep, have gone astray. You wonder why Jesus calls us sheep? That's why. We tend to wander. Do you want to come home? The point is, you have opportunity. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for making a sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus available to us this morning and I just thank, I am thankful to you for the good news of the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. Thank you for saving us, Father. And if there's someone here today that's out of your will, whatever their next steps might be, I pray your Holy Spirit would convict them during this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Eddie, Mary, if y'all come up. We're going to go back to number 600 and we're going to sing it again. When the road is called up yonder. And you know why I want to sing it again? Because I want everybody, if you're here in this group today, I want you to be able to sing that last phrase and not tell a story. When the road is called up yonder, I'll be there. If you're not sure, will you come while we stand and sing? <coughs> when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be.